This is Trav Johnson with the Access a Story podcast, discovering more about faith formation, culture, and the story of God. You can follow us at accessastory.com or you can follow me at travjohnson.com. So we have spent some time thinking about the identity, purpose and priorities of Jesus in our previous two podcasts. We're really wanting to land on the idea of the implications or what are some of the uh, the ways that this can be fleshed out uh, as we think about leading others. So the context of leading others uh, from the identity, purpose and priorities of Jesus, what does that look like? So again, welcome Nate and Adrian to Thanks this particular up. part of the conversation where we get super practical uh, and uh, I'm excited to hear uh, the depth of wisdom that you guys bring to the table. Yeah, good luck with that. again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. And so we have been thinking about who Jesus is, uh, why he came and what, what he did. Uh, as you think about the context of um, leading that you're either are, that you either are a part of or have been a part of, uh, how are you seeing alignment here? What are some of the implications for you when you think about uh, the, the who, why and what of Jesus. Yeah, I think it's crucial to be able to start with the who is Jesus as we've unpacked um, because probably more than ever before there's a lack of understanding of the biblical narrative and the biblical story and so I think we've got this golden opportunity now to just help people discover Jesus and so it's really important for us in our ministry context to have an idea of what that means of why we think that's important and what our simple answer would be to that very complex question of who is Jesus but then the things that we've unpacked coming out of that to say, well, if Jesus is the one who comes and gives us the opportunity to experience a full relationship with God, life the way that we're created to live, the kingdom, uh, then that's what his purpose was. So our purpose is to continue on that legacy that he passed on to his disciples to say, go and help other people to discover what this looks like, encounter what that looks like, and then help them to make decisions to centre their lives around it and away you go from there. So I think that's the starting point for me is there's a lot of things we can do in ministry and in church and in youth ministry. Um, but at the end of the day, we have to come back to those things. How are we helping people to understand who Jesus is? And then how are we helping people to experience what Jesus came to do? In a way, programs and events and everything comes from that, doesn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. That's right. And so. often it's really easy to turn that around to kind of go, well, what's going to attract people? What's yep. going to draw people together? Um, and yeah. it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. And I think the good thing that's that comes out of that is that there are a lot of different ways that you can do that. So I think at times we've been uh, either too focused on, well, it has to look this way because that seems to be working in a given context, or we're definitely not doing that because we're not program-based or whatever mm. it might be. Mm. Um, and I think the challenge for all of us all the time is to say when something does work, most of the time it's not actually because of the program, it's because of the work that's been done behind the scenes where they're effective in their ministry context because they've wrestled with exactly what we're saying. And for them, in their context with the people that they had, they found the best way for them to be able to help people experience discovering Jesus, centering their lives around Jesus, the values that come out of that. As that grows, that's always the challenge is how do you make sure that it is still about that and it doesn't become about the program and it doesn't become about the other things. But for all of us, that's the journey we need to constantly be on is analysing is what I'm doing pointing people back to Jesus and is it giving people an opportunity to experience kingdom values 
and then I can do that however I want to but then go back and review and then sometimes that'll mean changes sometimes it means tweaking things to say oh, we've kind of gone a bit sideways there um, and most of all in that I think that emphasis on relationships that as we've unpacked for Jesus it's staggering that he didn't come to set up a program or to set up an empire or to come to the most powerful and the most influential he came to come alongside of the least likely people and invest in them in such a way that they could have their identity completely transformed formed and find a sense of purpose in dedicating their lives to God's purposes for them. That at the end of the day is what we have to do um, and all of our program stuff has to direct us in that way. And it strikes me as listening to you, Nate, it's also listening well to our culture so in, in our own geographical region, the suburb within which mm-hmm. God has placed us. How do we listen to our community? What are the needs of the community? What's the history mm. of our community? How's that shaped? What the community looks like today? Um, what what does it look like? How do we engage mm. our community um, in, in a way that, that connects them with Christ, gives them an opportunity to learn uh, more about Him, and and from all that come our programs. But I reckon that's one of the challenges for us today: is what does it mean to listen to our community? Mm. And again, if you look at Look at what Jesus did. I mean, he, t- he knew his community. You know, the, the stories he told, the parables he told, mm. he knew the community inside out. Mm. Um, and everything was kind of through that lens and drawing people into relationship with the Father. One of the things that comes to mind when you say that is uh, the truth that Jesus still knows the community that we're a part of uh, as well. And one of the uh, challenges I think uh, I've certainly wrestled with in the past is uh, living with the expectation that I need to bring Jesus to the community mm-hmm. rather than uh, yeah. going by the assumption actually he's already at work in this community and yep. it's a matter of me learning about the community and learning how he's already at work there um, and I, I think that makes a yeah. huge difference when you think about the communities that we that are that we're a part of whether it's the suburb that we're in uh, whether it's the, uh, the the sporting club that we're a part of uh, whether the, it's the school that we're attached to uh, if we're living by the assumption the expectation that he's already at work there mm-hmm. uh, then it shifts a, uh, a huge mindset and one of uh, I think and it shifts a posture of uh, rather than trying to uh, be triumphant over over the community mm. uh, to actually, like you said before, Nate, to, to come in uh, amongst those that are there and and believe that that God's already at work there, and mm. we we serve because we're expecting God to show up in that context. Um, that's uh, yeah. I think for me that's a huge implication when I look at the way in which Jesus lived, who he was, how he lived his life, and, and what the priorities he pursued. He he knew that God was already at work, and he, like we said before, he joined him there. Yeah. It's horribly arrogant of us to kind of go, we've got to introduce these people to Jesus. We've, you know, this is a godless place. Yeah. Uh, how do we bring God into this place? Or, yeah. you know, God has been kicked out of our schools or God has been kicked out of our parliament. Really? Yeah. How arrogant of us to even suggest that. And in a local community, I'm not sure I told this story in one of the previous podcasts, but right. a friend of mine, yeah. you know, a teacher in a school, yeah. and why do you leave? Oh, he said, it's a godless place. Yeah. I thought, really? Yeah. It, does such a place exist? And so you, you're right, is listening to our community mindful that God is at work. What, what does that look like? It might be different to what I assumed. It might be different to what I'm used to. But but where is he at work? How's he breathing life? Where are his fingerprints in this community? Yeah. One of the things that 
Uh, so the best times that I've had when I've been part of a team that's uh, thinking of ourselves on mission or being part of uh, reaching out to young people uh, has been when we have centred ourselves around uh, the story of God or the story of Jesus in particular. Um, what I've found time and time again, it's easy for us to default to other stories. Um, maybe it's the story of the church down the road or the story of uh, mm. what we think needs to happen or the expectations. For what, There was one circumstance where uh, I was part of a church where the story was about uh, those that had uh, contributed financially to uh, the resources that we have now and us uh, making sure that we uh, honour them and, and all those are good things and good motivations but the, it became about that story rather than the story of Jesus and so the best times that I've seen um, has been when we've disciplined ourselves as a team uh, to start up front and centre with a short passage of scripture to read that together and just ask good questions and ask and be willing to go okay what's God saying to us now um, you know so so we're centering ourselves around the story of God rather than the, the other stories that so easily replace uh, that we easily default to uh, as well um, and so I'm, I'm just sort of thinking that the, um, the I think there's a connection between the assumption that God's already at work here therefore it is his story we want to center ourselves around that story yeah. so that we can be a part of it yeah yeah there's a tension in uh, how countercultural we need to be and how much we recognize those fingerprints that are already there and the ways in which God is already at work and that requires a lot of discipline because we'll tend to go too far either way on that and um, i think all of us have had different experiences of that at different times but it's a really good thing for us to be challenging ourselves what do i understand to be the kingdom values what do i understand to be living life the way that i'm created to live because if that's being experienced in a school in a shopping center in any context wherever <clears throat> what are the opportunities to be able to tap into that mm. and say so there's a reason why this makes you feel so alive because that's how we're supposed to live our lives but that's not just because of something to do with humanity that's because of this bigger story and this is how we understand that and so how do we find the connection points in that and the flip side of that is sometimes we just embrace things that are a part of our culture that actually have nothing to do with kingdom values but we make them a part of what we're doing yeah, yeah. Um, and so yeah it's this constant battle that we've got to wade into to say yeah. does this resonate is this the same as what we see in jesus life and in his teaching and if it's not then yeah, how do we push back against that but how do we also see sometimes those things that he is living out are very surprising and quite shocking and in the least expected places if, if, if the question for you guys was okay what's the best examples you've seen of um, seeing the uh, person of who Jesus is uh, of why he came and and why uh, and what he was doing uh, have you seen those shaped your team uh, so the, you know who Jesus is shape your team or uh, your ministry context if there's some good examples of that that happening um, what are they? What's uh, where have you seen that happen? I think the uh, clearest examples that I would have are those times when the focus has been unapologetically on discipling relationships for yep. want of a better term so our focus on <clears throat> we're investing in these relationships that's the priority we're having conversations about what are you reading what are you processing what are you struggling with what are you encouraged by where are you seeing god at work in your workplace at school in what we're involved in in ministry stuff 
I think in the healthiest environments I've been in, that's been front and centre. And when that's going well, everything else just kind of blossoms yeah. out of that. Um, so that would be the strongest encouragement that I would have is to say, yeah, it, you can build a crowd with a whole bunch of strategies that I don't think are as effective now as they were once upon a time because there's lots of other opportunities for people to do things that once upon a time they could come to youth ministries for and churches for. Um, and frankly, <clears throat> I think there are community organisations that do some of those things far better than we do. But at the end of the day, when we take the time to be able to sit with someone and have the genuine conversations about you are a person who's been created in God's image God's done everything necessary for you to have a full relationship with him and to live life how you were always designed to live. So how is that going? Mm. All of the other stuff just automatically comes out of that. So that's mm. where I'd be saying yeah, health starts from there. Yeah, and when I had the opportunity with the teams we're leading or even individually to, to almost step outside of what we're doing, the programs we're doing, yeah. the day, the yeah. week in, week out running of programs and stuff, and ask those sorts of questions, I think is is vital. I guess the key thing is like finding space to mm -hmm. get perspective and ask the questions and knowing what questions to ask, yep. what questions to reflect on and doing them honestly. Uh, so again, in, in my experience, when, when, when I have the opportunity to do that or with teams that I'm a part of to do that, that's incredibly rich. Yeah, and I would say, I, yeah, it, without exception, Every time that we have prioritised spending time together outside a program and whether that is in smaller groups, so leadership teams, or whether that is the priority of one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two, things have gone well and without exception any time that that has not been prioritised and it's just been show up to the program and we'll sort out the details via email and it's just all program, it ends up just dwindling and not really going anywhere and being very frustrating. So I would absolutely agree that that emphasis on what happens outside of the gathered times that we're together is actually the most crucial, is something that yeah, you can't argue with, <laughs> I think, in every single context. And again, talking about healthy ministries, whatever they look like, if you peel back the layers, somewhere there is a priority set around spending that time together, investing in each other, people's discipleship journey, and everything else comes out of that. Um, and again, in a lot of those contexts, if that's not emphasised because the program gets too big or too complex, that's when you suddenly start to see the cracks opening up. So, yeah. It's and it's as simple important. as that, you know, without kind of trying to dumb it down into one simple formula that we all just have to follow. But at the heart of Jesus' life and ministry and example was relationship, Absolutely. authentic relationship, vulnerable relationship. Um, you know, almost one-on-one -on -one or in small groups. Yep. So at the heart of what we do and why we do it and modelling on Jesus' example, it, it has to be that with the intent of, of people coming to the fullness of a relationship with God for themselves. Part of Sherpa is, is having people think about what it means to to lead uh, to and we've talked already in terms of uh, our perspective on leadership through Sherpa is taking responsibility with Jesus for the care of those around us and you guys have uh, already reflected a little bit of what that what that looks like uh, sometimes it can be demanding uh, to be in that position of responsibility uh, sometimes it can be really <laughs> exciting uh, sometimes you can get a real uh, power uh, trip out of it there's you know there's a, a whole range of different emotions and feelings we have yeah. in this role 
role of, of leadership. Um, but uh, one of the things that uh, was interesting to me in, in part of our conversations is the, uh, I guess, the opportunity we see uh, in, in seeing uh, young leaders being raised up into uh, the responsibility of seeing discipleship happen in the emerging generation. If there was a way that you guys, uh, in light of uh, us wanting to centre in on who Jesus is uh, and, and seeing discipleship as allowing Jesus to shape our identity, purpose and priorities, um, if there's a way that you, uh, as um, seasoned leaders now, and that's what you are. Seasoned because of the salt. That's, that's, that's right. That's where that's coming from. But with the, with the story that you guys have already, um, I guess, lived, what's a way that you would encourage uh, the, the, the ones that we're, we're seeking to encourage, mm-hmm. uh, to, to release them, uh, to, uh, uh, to put the wind in their sails, if you like, as we think about... Um, the, the identity, purpose, priorities of, of Jesus and us wanting to as, uh, hone in on yeah. uh, on who he is. I, I think um, spending time with God, prayer, meditation, but, but being alone with God and, and talking with God, giving God time and space to speak with you, however he does that best, is, is key for me. Um, engaging scripture. You know, whether reading through the whole Bible or just choosing one passage and just sitting in that for a while and, again, being quiet before God. Community is the other thing that's critical for me. And, and in that, you know, part of a, a faith community, but having a small group of of peers that, that I'm accountable to, that speaking to me, that know me well, that challenge me, pick me up, drag me along, you know, exhort me, mm. those sorts of things in, in a really healthy way. For me, they are, they are critical, uh, and I'd be encouraging, you know, other emerging leaders to, to consider how they could put those things in place. Yeah. And I think for any sense of longevity in ministry, those things are critical. I think Thanks, it's yeah. never going to be easier than it is now, and that's not to Can say, you say that again? it's, it's never, never going to be easier. Yeah. than it is now mm-hmm. and that's not to say it's easy now mm. but that is to say we all have this uh, utopian picture that well if I just get this sorted out and I just get to this point in my journey or ministry or whatever then it'll be a lot easier to make these things a priority and that is an absolute lie mm. so I think that would be the wisdom of many many years of experience is that it doesn't get any easier mm. and in actual fact a lot of the time it gets more complicated because the more uh, that you do and the more that you get involved in, the more those things are a drag on your time, which creates even less space to be able to emphasise exactly what you've just said. So the priorities of praying and spending time with God and reading scripture and gathering around people who are life-giving, but also what we're saying, the priority of investing in other people. So that would be one of the key things I'd say is don't fall into the trap of thinking, well, if I can just get this thing sorted out or just when I get to this point or whatever, then I'll make those things a higher priority. You're just missing out on the opportunity to start seeing that fruit um, become a reality. And that the challenge of discipleship and the challenge of what we're talking about is that it is long-term. Mm. There's no quick fixes. There's no easy curriculums you can put people through and simple solutions to mm. this stuff. It is week on week, month on month, year on year investment in people mm. that then ultimately you see the fruit 
most of the time, <laughs> but there's no guarantee in that. And sometimes people then wander off and that happens as well. Um, but putting it off for three months or six months or 12 months just means it's another three, six or 12 months before you start the process of seeing where that needs to go. Yeah. 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 And I'd add to that the sense of, of th- this is a, probably another whole topic to deal with but what's God called you to do what, what's the unique calling on, on your life or if you have a sense of calling to ministry what might that look like and I mean you never come to the point where you've got it figured out I think it's an ongoing process but have a sense of God what what are you wanting me to do what direction do I head in is key but also understanding yourself well enough to kind of go I'm good at these things I'm not good at those things I'm aware of what I'm not good at but I focus on what I'm good at what, what are the yeah. gifts the skills the attributes that God has given me and how do I use them? Yeah. And I think that's that's critical as well with at any point in ministry, um, identifying those things, having people around you that kind of go, you're really good at that. I've seen that in you um, that you can build on and, and grow in. Um, that's, that's great. I, and I've uh, been reflecting on, on my question that I've asked you guys, myself as well, so I'm about to try and give an answer. <laughs> um, but the the word opportunity comes to mind. Uh, and the, I think there's a lot of um, uh, heat and pain around uh, where, the, where, where the church is at and our, our, our culture and a lot of chatter about um, how what we used to be and where things are at now and how bad that is. Uh, but uh, And you've reflected on this, Nate, that there's actually an emerging generation who just don't know, yeah. who've never heard this before. Uh, and so when we talk about the actual reality of who Jesus is uh, and the difference that he made and how people were drawn to him, uh, and um, the fact that he's still, and we're recognising he's still at work in the communities that are around us, it's a, we have opportunity uh, yeah. and, and people are longing for something that uh, is a different story to what they're living. Yeah. Uh, and often we don't know that, but when it's modelled, um, when we're speaking words of life into others, uh, there's, uh, there's opportunity for uh, the kingdom of God to break out. And so that would be my encouragement. Mm-hmm. That, and, and that's to me as well as those who are coming through. And I'd add into that. I think there's all of that is true and there's never been a time when we have less ability uh, to convince people of things um, outside of relationships. Yeah. So more than ever before, the only way that people by and large commit to things, say they want to be a part of things, find out about things, because there's so much noise and so much stuff coming at us, is I know you and I know what you're like. And so if you say that this is a good thing, I should probably think about that. That's good. And so, again, prioritising this stuff has probably been never been more important uh, than it has been now. Thanks, guys, for helping us think through the implications of the life and ministry of Jesus and how that um, uh, plays out in, in our own context. Looking forward to unpacking things some more at the next retreat. See you next time. Thanks, guys. You've been with Trav Johnson on the Access to Story podcast, discovering more about faith formation, culture, and the story of God. Remember, follow us on accessthestory.com or you can catch up with me on travjohnson.com.